Hey everybody, welcome back to the Religionless Podcast. This is episode number four, and today we have a conversation with the one and only Joshua Tongle. Today we kind of go all over the place. We talk Joshua's story, growing up in Christianity, his own deconstructive process, and then we get into where he is today. We talk metaphysics, we talk haunted houses, and out-of-body experiences even, believe it or not. So this is going to be a really fun conversation today. It may trigger some of my more conservative friends, but hey, we love you anyways, and we're just thankful that you're here and that you're listening. Um, I do want to remind you before we get into today's episode that if you're listening via iTunes, please go ahead and subscribe, and please also consider giving us a review, preferably one involving five stars. That really helps a lot more than you know. Also, please, if you desire to help support what we're doing financially, you can do so via Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash religionless. There's all kinds of exclusive content there that you can gain access to for as little as $1 a month, and you can also know that you're helping us to continue the work that we're doing. Now, I don't want to waste a whole lot of time today on intros because I really want to get into the conversation. So without further ado, I take you into a conversation between myself and Joshua Tongle. I hope you enjoy. And again, thank you so much for listening to Religionless. Peace. All right. Well, Joshua Tongle, welcome to the Religionless podcast. How are you today, sir? Awesome, man. It's nice to talk to you again, Jeff. It's been years. (laughs) It has been years, man. I was was thinking this morning... I think the last time we hung out was at the conference in Wisconsin called, was it God Beyond the Box or something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our buddy Sue. Yeah, it was yep, good times, yep. man. <laughs> it was and, a couple of days together. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun, man. But that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was at least five or six years ago. Something that had like to have that, been. Dude. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's been a while, so it's good to, good to talk to you again, bro. Same here. Same here. And uh, for those of you who don't know who Josh is, I'm sure many of you do. Uh, But for those of you who don't, Josh is, he's, you know, a lot of different things. Kind of hard to pin down, I suppose. But I don't know. I guess, Josh, maybe I'll let you kind of do an intro just of like who you are and and what you're doing. And and we'll get deeper into, you know, what you've done and how you've gotten to where you are, obviously, in a few minutes. But if you just want to give a quick intro just of who you are, what you do, what you're all about. Yeah, how do I do that? (laughs) A lot of things. Um, I'm a human being. No, um, no, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I met Jeff back in the day because I used to do a lot of ministry. So, um, I do. I'm a speaker still. Um, I write books. I do. I have a podcast and YouTube, all that good stuff on social media. And so, just like Jeff, um, I just, I just have a heart to share a message online um, that's been helping a lot of people and have, I guess, I could say a, a similar journey with Jeff when it comes to religion. And I guess we'll be getting into that. So I don't want to get too deep yeah, into yeah. it in my intro. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm a speaker and a husband, and a, just a chill guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you have uh, your podcast, is it the, the Flip Side The Flip Side Podcast, yeah. Yeah, which is great. I always have a lot of great, interesting, diverse you know, interviews. Um, you yeah. have two books. Um, your first book is So You Thought You Knew, so correct? So You Thought You Knew, yeah. So You Thought You Knew yeah. Letting Go of Religion. And then um, yeah. the second one is called The Secret to Awesomeness, which is more of like a self-help uh, metaphysics book. So yeah, awesome. Very different, awesome. but good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. But one really kind of leads into the other. So right, right. <laughs> cool, cool, man. I'm I'm so excited to have you on, Josh. I don't know. Thanks, I've been bro. Really, really, I've been really <laughs> pumped about this conversation in particular. <laughs> cool. I don't know. I just got a good feeling about it, so I've just Me been too. really excited, bit. So basically, what we do here on the Religionless Podcast is I just want to kind of talk through people's journeys, kind of where you began in religion what it was like, like if you grew up in a super fundamentalist 
um, environment or whatever, just kind of what that was like, what it led to, you know, if you experienced what we kind of colloquially call deconstruction, no, yeah. not necessarily in the Derridian sense of the word, but uh, yeah. what we've come to know it as, you know, what um, and what that looked like for you and kind of where you are now. So there's a lot to play with there in that couple of sentences. So, yeah. Josh, I just want to kind of give you liberty and, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll ask some questions along the way and converse along the way as well. I'm sure I'd like to talk, so I'll, I'll throw some stuff in there myself. But uh, okay. if we just, I, if you could just kind of talk us through your journey a little bit, man, and, and where you've been and, uh, and and where you are now and bring us up to speed. Cool, cool. All right, so I was actually born in a Christian home, and my parents were, by the time that I was born, they were already called Protestants or born-again Christians, what we call here in the Philippines. They say born-again. And so I was raised in that type of faith, but then I was raised in a type of Christianity, as you know, Jeff, that there's many different kinds, but mine was a version which was a charismatic kind. So I was actually raised up in an Assemblies of God church. Uh, we believed in the gifts of the Spirit. We believed in speaking in tongues, and a lot of the Holy Ghost stuff was emphasized. But yeah. I was part of the, the charismatic church that was very heavily influenced by something called a Word of Faith movement which I'm sure you're familiar with too. And mm -hmm. yep. it's a lot of the people that you would catch on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Um, it's a Christian channel that I pretty much grew up watching with my family. And we, you know, and my church was pretty much the hub in Los Angeles for Filipinos. So we had all the famous speakers coming to our church all the time, like the big names. And so that was pretty much normal to me to see all these people speaking in tongues, falling down in the spirit even to what many would refer to as like the extreme stuff of like Holy Ghost laughter. You know, I see people being stuck yeah. on the ground, people acting like animals, <laughs> you know, a, lo a lot of things that people would identify as cultish. And so, like oh, I man, said, I grew was... up with it too. I love it. <laughs> there you go. So, so that was pretty much normal for me. And so we believed in a God where we emphasize the supernatural, the miracles. And so one of the biggest struggles that I had growing up since, you know, we already met, you're familiar with this, is that I was born with only one hand. And so that was a struggle for me because as a kid, you know, unfortunately, sometimes kids could be pretty cruel. And so I was teased mm -hmm. a lot. And because of that, I developed a lot of insecurity, like a lot, you know. And so I, yeah. I would always cry when I go home if I was teased at school or teased by the kids in the neighborhood. And I would ask God, since he's a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, to heal me. Right. I mean, because that's what God can do. <laughs> you know, yeah, he does miracles. Yeah. He, he could part the seas. He could heal the blind and the deaf. Why not give me two hands? And so as a child, I used to go to bed many nights praying and hoping that one day I'd wake up with two hands. So I did that for many years, believe it or not, you know, because I was really struggling with it as a ch as a kid. And um, then what happened was I would go to all these what are called miracle crusades. I mean, thousands and thousands of people, the big timer, you know, faith healers at the time. And this is like in the what, what 80s or 90s, right? And what would happen is that I still wouldn't get healed. And mm -hmm. yeah, I know to some people, it's not a big deal for them. But for me, it was, you guys, just because of just the stuff that I was going through. And what happened is that when I was seven, around my, my senior year in high school, I found out that the, the most famous faith healer at the time was in town. And I'm from Cali originally, as you might be able to tell. I'm from, originally from Los Angeles. And I found out that this faith healer was going to be in Anaheim right in California. So I was like, Oh, snap, dude. So I was like, I got to go to this event. And I told my very good friends at school, who were not Christian, I'm like, Hey, why don't you go with me and watch I'm gonna uh, 
be miraculously healed and get two hands. You know, and like that's how confident mm-hmm. I was. And hopefully when they see it, they'll be like, oh, snap, Jesus is real. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. so I, I took my buddies with me and, you know, it was like the typical, very like uh, typical, like faith healer type of meetings where you'd see people. It was, it was very emotionally driven, right, where we're seeing these like worship songs for like a long time. And people started falling down and the faith healer was very showy and people were speaking in tongues. And there I was lifting up both of my hands and asking God to heal me and nothing was happening. And so I was, I was really struggling with that because my friends were there. Obviously they were just watching me crying. And I told my friends, I was like, yo, take me down to the stage and let the faith healer lay hands on me. Right. Because maybe something will happen because <laughs> he's anointed, <laughs> you know, so maybe something will happen. So my buddy, my buddies and I, we went downstairs, we were heading down to the stage and then we heard the, the faith healer say to everybody, you know, come back tomorrow because it was a big conference. It was like a couple of days. So it's like, all right, you know, I was embarrassed, of course, I was sad, but I'm going to go back tomorrow. I went back the next day and obviously I didn't get healed. And so, Jeff, at that time in my life, that was a major, major turning point for me where it's, it's, it's interesting because people tend to uh, read into my story and assume things about me. But when that happened, I wasn't mad. I was just really, really sad, right? I was just yeah. thinking, maybe God doesn't do these kinds of things today because even though I grew up in a charismatic church, when I look back, I don't really know if I saw any miracles, <laughs> you know, like I'll see people yeah. falling down, uh, speaking in tongues, which is kind of questionable too, because they would teach us how to do it, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah, and, yeah. And, and, you know, it's like Don't saying banana backwards. backwards. Yeah, there you go, or banana, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing. I was like, I started to like kind of question it a little bit, but I was still, you know, I was, I was honestly, bro, I was a very simple kid because I believed everything that a preacher would say. That's why I would go to these faith <clears> healers, you know, so. We had yeah. famous people from Korea, from Africa. And if they preached it, I believed it. So I was really that kind of kid. But when that happened to me, when I was around 17 years old, like I said, it was a turning point for me. And Well, isn't it I, funny? I don't mean to interrupt, but isn't it just funny, The you know, the assumptions? And I, I hear it all the time. I, I hear it concerning me and my own journey and so many others that anytime someone diverges from the path of a certain kind of faith, yeah, that maybe someone else is still, you know, in agreement with the assumption is it, it isn't that the assumption is they're mad, they're angry, they're mad, right? <laughs> or, or they're trying to justify a certain yeah. kind of like immoral yeah. lifestyle that, you know, they just simply can't justify exactly. within the confines of this, this faith tradition. And it's like, yeah. no, man, I, I would yeah. say you must have been reading my comments percent <laughs> of the time. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I mean, For literally sure. nearly 100% of the time, that is not the case at all. There's there's no. something either traumatic or hurtful that happens. And, um, you know, you, you know, that's my story as well. And man, the church in general could use a great, but you know what, you, you really don't understand it if you haven't gone through it, though, I guess. So it's yeah. empathy and empathy is gained through experience. So a lot of the times I just kind of have to be like, well, you know what, if, if you had been in my shoes and experienced what I experienced, then You'd get it, but you obviously haven't. So I wish you well on your journey. Exactly. And when it does happen to you, I'll be here for you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, but yeah. Anyways, Josh, yeah, yeah. you can continue. For so, sure, yeah. for sure. So, you know, like I said, that was that was a time that became a big, huge turning point for me where I kind of did started to question some things. Like I said, I wasn't angry at God. It was more of just accepting the fact that miracles like what we read in the Bible don't happen today, right? Because I just mm-hmm. never noticed it. And 
coincidentally, at the same time, my senior year, I found out that one of my teachers was something called an, uh, an apologist and I had no freaking clue what the heck that was yeah. at the time. Like literally, I never even heard of that word. I was just a yeah. simple teenager <laughs> who wanted to get right with God, stop partying, you know. And, uh, and this lady found out that I was doing my presentation on because we had to do like a senior project. And I wanted to share my story as my senior project, which threw off a lot of people because it was supposed to be like this fun senior project where you teach, you know, your senior class something like a skill or whatever. But but a lot of people yeah. knew me as the Christian guy that transferred schools. So I did some really stupid things in my old school, bro. So I literally transferred schools my senior year to just start over mm-hmm. my life. And a lot of people don't know that. And so I did that. And so a lot of people knew me as this, who's this Filipino kid, right? Who, who looks like a little gangster, you know, but he's like really nice, you know, and, and, and I was sharing my faith to people. But like I said, it was very simple. And then this lady found out that, you know, heard about me wanting to share my story to my senior class about my faith. And she's like, Josh, you know, there's something called apologetics. And like I said, I've never even heard of that before. And bro, honestly, that was the first time in my life that, I really asked a lot of questions, you know, about Christianity. I still assumed Christianity was true, just to be honest, right? But it's like for the first time I was asking questions like, how do I know the Bible is true? How do I know God exists? And my teacher had a more scientific background, so she was teaching me all this stuff from science, you know, introducing me in books from like Hugh Ross and all these guys, you know, whom I've never heard of. And um, so it wasn't, it was more of like, uh, for the first time, it wasn't just me about learning how to understand my faith, but it was about defending the faith. And so that really, honestly, bro, that really changed my life. It really did, where I became more confident in sharing my faith instead of just having my personal testimony, which was good too, you know. And But what I started to notice after I really got absorbed in that, in that world of academia Honestly, bro, it's like um, a lot of the Christian apologists that I was influenced by were people who were not just critical of non-Christian faiths or atheistic worldviews or skepticism, but they were very critical of even um, the more charismatic type of Christianity, you know, that they would consider would be like a fringe, you know, so you'd have these people on the radio, conservative Christian apologists who are criticizing the kind of church that I grew up in, (laughs) you know, and then I was like, oh man, so I started to look at my whole childhood with a different perspective wondering if i was uh deceived because i was like man was i just being manipulated you know trying to learn how to speak in tongues and is it really true that maybe people at my church really didn't get healed because it's not like i saw cancers disappear it's more of like these people felt energy and so they're assuming that god's healing them of their cancer things like that you know i've never was able to verify them and so to try to keep that part of my life short, bro, I, I I went on this, you could call it a tirade. Like I really became a hardcore, I don't even want to say skeptic, I, the true meaning of the word skeptic. I became a hardcore critic of the charismatic movement, pretty much the, the Christianity that, that I grew up in. And so at this time, um, I was so critical of it. I used to actually be invited to speak at churches and I would even speak speak out against this stuff <laughs> you know and, and and for eight years so people knew me as a guy who has my story where i never got healed you know so that was like a big thing and and then me growing up in a charismatic church and not really being able to verify a lot of these quote-unquote miracles and then i started having all these apologetic type arguments you know showing in how this stuff is just by a bunch of charlatans, you know, who are out for your money or people who are delusional, you know, or anti-intellectual, yeah. you know. So I, I was really in that world and and really influenced by these guys. 
because I was reading all these books and I was like, you know what? These guys are like my heroes, these intellectual Christian giants, and I want to study under them. So I ended up studying under them. I went to a school and those guys that were my favorite authors became my professors. And so I, I felt very privileged by, with that. And, you know, I kind of, you know, that, that really influenced me because I was learning from these guys that I've looked up to, but yet they were so not into the charismatic scene. And so I, even at school for eight years, I would go around my campus and people knew me as a guy who would talk and convince people not to believe in that charismatic stuff anymore. You know, that is just, it's just very anti-intellectual. So yeah. during that period, I, you know, um, unexpectedly, I developed a back injury. And I think you're aware of this. I'm not really sure, but you, you know, I grew up as a breakdancer, bro. <laughs> did you know that? I've heard, I've heard you oh, say okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I did breakdance at the kingdom conference, but I guess you were in there. <laughs> I don't think I said yeah, that. You oh, were in there. <laughs> and uh, so around the early 2000s, I actually developed a pretty bad back injury when I was breakdancing at a party and I was battling some guy. <laughs> and then uh, I guess, you know, my ego got to me and I, I should have stretched and my back just went out, honestly. And like, for real, bro, I don't get any back pains that I'm aware of, you know, growing up. Yeah. And as a breakdancer all these years, I never really experienced. But at that moment, my back just got really, really screwed up. And I ended up finding out that I had something called a herniated disc. And I suffered from something called sciatica. So basically, uh, in my back, in my spine, in between each vertebrae, my discs were getting crushed. And they were bulging out and touching my the sciatic nerve. And it would shoot down from my back to my butt to my toes. Every time I would wake up in the morning, felt like I was stepping on a bunch of needles. And whenever I sneezed, whenever I coughed, whenever I laughed, dude, it stinking hurts, bro. So I mean, it was a really like a nerve problem. And so you could imagine the pain I was going through in the early 2000s. I was still in my early 20s and I could hardly walk. Literally, bro. I'm not even exaggerating. The people at my school, every single class, they would pray for me because I went to uh, seminaries, you know, so it was a religious school and they would pray for me yeah. and I wasn't getting better. <laughs> Their prayers weren't working. <laughs> and, uh, and it was sad because I was like, God, why is this happening to me? And not too long after, uh, which is really sad too, is that I ended up having this really bad uh, chest, like uh, attack in my chest that I felt like it was a heart attack one night when I was at a friend's house eating and I literally felt like I was having a heart attack. And so I drove home. I was literally about to pass out. And I got home and I told my parents, take me to the hospital, take me to the hospital. And I didn't have uh, insurance at the time. And it was probably a stupid idea, but I actually tried to sleep it off. But before that, I was actually confessing my sins because I actually thought I was going to die. Believe it or not, yeah. I really thought I was going to die because I felt like it was a heart attack. Long story short with that, um, I found out that I suffered from something called um, GERD, which is gastroesophageal reflux disease. Mm. And honestly, bro, like it must have been, unless it's been very subtle, I don't ever remember having heartburn at all, ever. I mean, if it was, it must have been subtle, like growing up, I don't remember. Yeah. But from that day forward, after that really bad chest attack, I had heartburn every day. I had chest pain every day. I had vomit taste in my mouth every single day and acid always coming up. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was freaking yeah. nasty, Yeah. right? And so I was like, what the heck's going on <laughs> with my life? You know? And so I had those two major things. I mean, I couldn't eat anything that I wanted to eat. I was still getting prayers from the people at the church. It wasn't working. Prayers from people at the school. It wasn't working. And I didn't know what to do. And so what happened was that, you know, try, try to 
cut this part short is that I eventually met a guy after this eight year period who remember, and I don't believe any miracle stuff for eight years. Like you tell me a miracle story. Yeah. I don't believe it. Right. So that's, I got to throw that right. in there just so people could get the context. But after eight years, I met this guy and he had one of the most well-documented miracles that I've ever seen. Honestly. And like I said, I've heard many miracles claims throughout the eight year period, but this guy was very convincing and they would call this guy like a modern day Job, right? So for those of us who know the story of Job, whether he's a fictional character or not, it, it was a guy who just suffered a lot. Let's just put it that way. They call this guy a modern day Job. And he basically, um, I don't want to go into all the details, but his body was basically falling apart. And long story short, he has an out of body experience. He has an out of body experience and he has all this documentation from uh, UCLA from Germany about his medical conditions, etc. And then uh, just a backtrack, sorry. And then um, one day he he gets prayer from this one faith healer, from this one Korean guy. And he only did that because his wife wanted him to, but he didn't really believe <laughs> in, in any, any of this stuff, mm-hmm. right? So this guy was like bedridden 22 hours a day, um, super, super skinny because he already had, because um, he's always, he's pretty much bedridden. He had five surgeries. And when you have one back surgery, you're never the same, dude. You're never the same. Mm-hmm. And at five surgeries, he had to get two more. So he was going to get a total of seven. And he was going to get his left leg amputated. And so basically what happened is that um, the discs in his spine, they ruptured. So it was just really, really bad, right? And so he goes to this church. It's just kind of like this last thing to do. Right, just for the sake of his wife, to please his wife. He hears a voice when this Korean guy is praying over him. He sees this bright light and he hears this voice that says, you are not going to die. And he just knew that it wasn't the Korean guy because the Korean guy has this really thick accent. <laughs> but he saw this bright light and his voice said, you are not going to die. And uh, he said that when he heard that, he actually felt like he got more depressed because why would he want to continue to live when he's just like in a wheelchair and bedridden all day? Yeah. He has this out-of-body experience. Long story short, I know I keep saying that, but he was totally healed, completely healed. Mm-hmm. And I was fascinated by his story. And it was just like when I'm listening to this guy, I you know, I don't want I don't want to just say it's because I was desperate that I was starting to believe him, but he was very convincing because he was very monotone. He wasn't like this dynamic speaker. He was very monotone yeah. and just using a lot of the documentation and evidence, you know, to 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 back up his claims. And at that moment, I was pretty convinced or open, whatever you want to call it. And I told him about uh, my back, you know, and I just said, oh, can we keep in touch? And we swapped information. And then I eventually, you know, he, he gave me a link to that church where he got prayer. And, you know, at this website, you'll hear people of like, you know, getting people getting healed from like a headache. I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, come on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, or back pain. I'm like, ah, you know, it's all just uh, psychosomatic stuff and, and cancer. I was like, oh, that's pretty big deal if it, if it's true. And yeah. then it talked about like arms growing out. I'm like, oh, that, that's new to me, right? Because of my hand. And so that, that brought back like a memory for me. And at that moment, bro, I had this huge rush of emotions just kind of just come to me at once. I still don't know how to describe it, except it was extremely powerful where I just shut the computer right away because I was so confused because I was like, is this stuff really happening? Because after eight years of preaching against it, teaching against it, going around telling everybody that this stuff isn't real, is this true? And I ended up revisiting that topic of healing 
all over again, but this time with a different perspective and finding out finding out about these different guys, you know, who were intellectual, who were former skeptics, who became believers in in healing, at least a Christian version of healing. And that and then it just changed my life. And so I started to mm-hmm. get into that whole charismatic stream all over again. But this time it was very different than the kind that I grew up in. You know, these were yeah. like I said, they were more of like more reasonable people. They weren't the very showy type. And and I learned a lot from them. Like they were they were very cool people, these people that were willing to mentor me. And so I started having a healing ministry. I did that for a couple of years. I started a healing ministry on my college campus. You know, they wrote articles about it. The president heard about it. I became friends with the president. He heard my story. I spoke at the school every semester. I would speak in a class as a guest speaker to teach on healing on the Holy Spirit to a bunch of uh, conservative Christians because my school, majority of them are conservative. They don't believe in a lot of this, you know, uh, miracle stuff happening for today. So I did that and I was like, wow, you know, life's great. (laughs) So I'm like, all right, now I'm going to, um, and, and then I got involved in what's, what you and I would, um, label as like the grace movement, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. as I started getting to the charismatic stuff, like I said, it was very different than the charismatic stuff that I was, uh, that I grew up with where we're always like crying and screaming out and God, more power, yeah. more power. You know, we're like always trying to earn, but now this time it was a healing that was more about grace. Right. And things just kind of started to be more effortless. So I started to do that for a while. Next thing you know, I'm like, I want to go to the Philippines. I want to go and become a missionary because, you know, I've lived in America my whole life and I'm Filipino. Why not? (laughs) You know, I was like, why not just uh, go to a different country to kind of just share my heart? And my heart was just drawn towards the Philippines. And and I did that. And so I came out here. I'm still here now. And I started to share the the this this gospel. I started teaching people to heal. I even planted a church, and and it was re- stuff was really happening, dude. Like, you know, we uh, my church was growing really fast. People were, you know, the word was being spread. A lot of churches were being warned about me. Like, who's this young guy doing the healing stuff? And I was in like the hub. I was in Manila, you know. So a lot of people were coming. And but then when I was doing that stuff. It was fun and it was very um, transformative for a lot of us. But then it got to be kind of routine where I didn't like it anymore because my church started to grow, where it started to become more structured. You know what I'm saying? And so in the beginning, we were just like a small group of friends where we're just like, you know, because I didn't know anyone, honestly, but I really didn't know a lot of people here. And so I was just like randomly meeting people. One thing led to another where we did form a group and we had this really strong bond. But then as our church started to grow, like I said, we started to become more formal. And I started to introduce like the church style that I grew up with in America, where you got to have a program, you got to have announcements, you got to have praise and worship team and do all that stuff. And so I was like, because that's all that I knew. And we did that for a while. But like I said, I started to notice like, I don't really like this structure stuff because it's becoming less, less and less intimate but I don't know what to do. And then someone gave me a book called, so you don't want to go to church anymore. And this is at the time when my church was growing. <laughs> you yeah. know, I was like, oh, interesting. And I, I started to read the book and I remember just breaking down, just tearing up like, man, I could really identify with this character who was really tired of the institutional church system, you know, just the way it could kind of run like a business. And I decided I brought this um, you know, I'm very open with my stuff and I ended up going back to my church, to my group and telling them my heart. 
I said, I like what we've been having, you know, I like where we've gone so far, but this is where I'm at right now. This is what I'm feeling. And I don't want to just continue this just because, you know, just because this is the thing happening right now where um, a lot of people are hearing about us. I didn't want to do that. And um, they agreed. They agreed that we would just learn to be the church, you know, so we ended up eventually started, stopped doing our services which was a, a, a big thing for a lot of people here. Like, like what? What's that all about? You know, Josh's church stopped. And, and we just became like a, just regular people who just hang out and we just hang out. <laughs> we still did healing. We still went to coffee shops. We still talked about the Bible, all that stuff. But I was still identifying myself as a Christian. Yeah. But then throughout the years, you know, because I was in the Philippines for a while, you know, it was always in the back of my head, like, but what if the Bible is it 100% true? No, 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 no. I can't entertain that. I can't entertain that. You know, and I try yeah. to read books to kind of like bring back my faith in the Bible again on inerrancy, you know, and then, uh, <laughs> but there was always in the back of my head, like, wow, you know, I've, I've always kind of assumed that Christianity was true, you know, because even as a Christian apologist doing that for many years, it was very easy for me to poke holes in different religions. You know what I'm saying? I could read the Quran. I remember I read the entire Quran. And I remember, oh, you know, there's problems with this, there's inconsistencies, there's a, it's a violent God, yada, yada, yada. It was so easy to poke holes, but when it came to my faith, yeah, for apologetics, we had some of our answers to, to kind of reconcile the apparent contradictions, right? But then there's some parts that were just kind of hard to make sense of, like the violent God of the Old Testament or even the violent God even in the New Testament. But then I would just say, mystery. Or, or, you know, there's an answer, but I don't know it yet. So I always kind of gave the Bible the benefit of the doubt because I assumed inerrancy. And so things yeah. started to really crumble for me when I started to question some of the, what we would call fundamental doctrines of at least evangelicalism, at least my version of, of fundamentalism, where I started to question penal substitutionary theory, which is the, the version of atonement that I grew up with. And I once I started questioning that, as you know, Jeff, like just one doctrine kind of leads to another doctrine and, and it just kind of creates like a domino effect. And this is the, what you would probably refer to as, you know, the whole deconstructing phase. And I started questioning hell and I started to lose sleep because here I was as a missionary, bro. I made a living as a missionary, going to church to yeah. church, living by faith. You know, I only made money. I got married, only made money when people would donate to to our ministry, when I speak at a church. and and But here I was questioning a lot of this stuff that I was taught saying, what if, what if this assumptions that I've had all this time is wrong? You know what I'm saying? And I went down that rabbit hole where I lost a lot of sleep because I wanted to know the truth and I didn't want to just do, continue doing what I'm doing just because I'm a missionary or, you know, I didn't want to, uh, you know, you know, please people just because, you know, or else they're not going to support us anymore. You know, I didn't think like that. I, I knew in my heart I was going to follow I was going to follow the path that I, you know, that, that I was sensing that was being led to. So I stopped speaking, which is a trip because, you know, I made a living by that. I, I stopped speaking. I told my wife, I don't want to speak right now at churches uh, because I'm, I don't know what I'm believing. And so for a period, I just started questioning things. And not only did I just study, but I did a lot of searching from within. You know, I would just do, I would introspect and just like, okay, what, what, what do I really believe? Right. If I get all the people, you know, that have influenced me and if I didn't care what they thought, like, what what do I really believe now? What have I been experiencing? You know, how do I really see people who are not Christians, you know, who are able to love, but they're not Christians? Though? How do I really see them without trying to be influenced by all this doctrine that I was 
inheriting all these years. And, and I know there's a lot I could say about it, but I felt like reality was waking me up, you know, just about mm-hmm. saying, nah, man, it's just a lot of the stuff I was taught about us versus them. We're in, they're out, we're saved, they're not, we're going to heaven, they're going to hell. You know, they're, we're, we're blessed, they're not. You know, it's like, it just didn't make sense in reality because especially here, I was chilling at a lot of bars. Bars are a big thing here mm-hmm. in the Philippines. You know, even Christians go to bars and, you know, I was just like, man, a lot of these people who are not Christian, they're pretty cool people. <laughs> and yeah. they're doing even yep. pretty well off financially too than a lot of, than yeah. a lot of Christians who are, who are supposedly blessed. Right. And, and I was just like, mm-hmm. even hearing about people who, who were doing healing and they're not Christians. And so healing, as you know, was a big thing for me. So what I started to do, I could say this was one of the major things for me that really shifted my paradigm was that as you you and I know, we did the Christian version of healing. So I would always do like, in Jesus name, you know, get out, you know, and cast this and that spirit, spirit of this, spirit of that, and even have my spiritual warfare books with me all the time. (laughs) And then I was like, all right, I'm hearing about all these stories of people who do healing you know, who are like, quote unquote, new age, or people who are doing Reiki or quantum Mm -hmm. or whatever. And back in the day, I would be like, that's demonic. You know, that Qigong stuff is demonic, (laughs) because it's not in Mm -hmm. Christ. But this time, I approached it with a very, very open mind. And I'm like, what if this is still legit? So I did that. And I experimented with it, where um, a lot of people come to me for healing, bro, especially here in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. You know, people would travel to me from far distances just to meet me up and we would do it. And I would try these healing techniques without doing it my Christian version that I've done for many years. And yeah. thankfully, it would work. <laughs> and so I know like mm-hmm. some Christians would be like, yeah, but Josh, I know it's still Christ doing it through you. Whatever. Okay. They have their argument with that mm-hmm. if they want to do that. But I'm just saying, I wasn't thinking about that stuff. I just did it the way, you know, these other modalities were doing it and it was thinking working. And so because of that, it really opened up my mind even more. And I started to just let go of one belief after the other, questioning and letting go of the doctrine of eternal conscious torment, letting go of my version of God, of my theistic God, letting go of, of um, my view of, of humanity and just looking at, at all of us as one, changing my view of the afterlife and just to backtrack also, um, another thing that started to happen to me that I was actually silent about because I just didn't know how to talk about it for many years is that I was actually having out-of-body experiences. And this actually started from a long time ago, but I only had it um, like like once when I was in college and I never really talked about it because I didn't know what to make of it. And I had it when I was in um, the library, believe it or not, when I was in seminary. And the first time it happened was when I was just lying down and all of a sudden, I had this really bright light just shining on me. And I was like fully awake. And it was like super, super yeah. bright as if someone's just shining a, a big light on me. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm like, I heard about this. I was saying that in my head. I heard about this. And I felt this really, really strong energy. And I heard this sound like, like I was being electrocuted. And I was feeling like I was being smashed. Actually, I actually felt like I was being smashed. And, and I had this really strong ringing in my ear. And then it went away and then it came back two more times. And I was like, what the heck was that? You know, so that was it. I didn't feel love. I didn't feel evil. You know, I had sleep paralysis too, but I didn't feel evil. I didn't see any ghosts, you know, and then uh, I didn't know what to make of it. And not too long after I was in the library again and I was uh, lying down on a beanbag and I was lying down in one of the book aisles. Right. And then next thing you know, bro, which is weird. I all of a sudden I was 
I was in another book aisle. And I was like, whoa, 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 why am I here? Why am I here? And I was looking. My vision was kind of dim, but I was in a, totally in another aisle. I was like thrown off. And then I went back to my body. That was my first conscious out-of-body experience that I've had that I just didn't know what to do. And I thought, what's going on? Is it the devil? Or, you know, I was like, is he attacking me because I'm doing yeah. God's work? <laughs> you know, and I didn't know what to make of it, honestly. <laughs> and so I put that kind of on the shelf for years because, like I said, that was like in early 2006-ish or something like that, 2005, 2006. And and so, but I could never let go of that. And especially because I was always fascinated with, with near-death experience stories, right? Near-death. I didn't really know much about out-of-body. I've only heard about near death where you have to have a near death where you almost have to die. But then I started hearing about people who were having out of body experiences because I was like the kind of guy who said, I would like those experiences, but just not the near death part. You know, I don't want to get in a car accident and fly out of my body. I just rather have the heavenly experience, you know. And so I was learning about this stuff and I would uh, start learning these techniques about how to go outside of my body because I was very curious. And so I would tell my wife, I'm like, hey, Remy, I'm going to go out of body tonight. Watch. And then nothing would happen <laughs> for like months. I would try and try and try all these different techniques. What Nothing would happen. And then boom, it happened. And I had a very amazing out of body experience that is very like even hard to explain just this stuff that I experienced. And then I started having it regularly, bro. Honestly, like I would have it several times a month. Like I get... I think people can know my personality when I'm into something. I'm really into it, whether it's apologetics, yeah. healing, and then out-of-body stuff, which is what I've always wanted to experience my whole life. I started to experience it a lot. And that really opened up my eyes to reality and and what what could possibly happen after death and just trying to reconcile it with my understanding of of my version of Christianity that I was taught and what spirit is like. And because when I was a kid, bro, what a lot of people don't know is that I did see ghosts when I was growing up, <laughs> you know, and in fact, I still see some at times, you know, even to this day. And, you know, I just even had one not too long ago when I was in a hospital and I was in a hospital because someone asked to do for us to do healing there and someone was dying. And when I was in the hospital, I saw this figure that was just like right there. And I told my friend, you're like, you see that? He's like, I see it. So, you know, I still, I still see that stuff once in a while, not every day, but I still do. So that was something that, I couldn't let go. That was something that when I was abandoning my Christian, my fundamentalist Christian faith, I, I could never become a materialist. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I've read all the Hitchens stuff. I read all the Dawkins and mm-hmm. all these guys, agnostic guys, and, and I've read all their stuff. To be honest, they have some good arguments, you know, against religion. Um, uh, the, the alternative, which is atheism or materialism, it just mm-hmm. didn't jive with me. It just never did, you know. And I was really trying to be an open person, <laughs> but then with the, yeah. the experiences that I had, um, just didn't match up because that's something that I wanted to be true to myself. So, like I said, a lot of the guys that I would meet would who were Christian, and then they left Christianity. They became these angry non-believers or angry atheists, you know. And I would listen to their mm-hmm. podcast. I'm like. You know, I like in how they left the, the, their fundamentalist fear-based religion, but I don't like this stuff of what they believe. I just don't believe in it because that's not my experience. My experience has been such and such, you know, where I had out of body. Yeah. And so that opened up a whole new can of worms, you know, rabbit hole. And I started exploring these other topics, you could say, within spirituality that is very out of the box for people who are uh, progressive Christians who would say this stuff is very dangerous and taboo, which for me, it's, it's not at all. And it has really changed my life. And so that's where I could summarize it, bro. I mean, I don't know where wow. you want to start. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's a long summer, man. That's a that's quite a journey, Josh. Yeah. I mean, seriously, man. From uh, from conservative uh, word of faith style yeah. evangelicalism to the charismatic world to the yeah. world of apologetics yep. Yep. <laughs> to the grace movement um, to where you are now. I'm not exactly sure how to pin that down, but maybe more in the metaphysical stream. Yeah. No. Is that is that would that be fair to sure. say? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I just find, I got to say, just listening to you tell your story, I love, you're just a seeker, you know, and you yeah. have a pilgrim's heart, your your heart and your mind is set on on truth and, and discovering it no matter what it costs. And I like that because I have a very similar bend in my own nature yeah, where even to my own hurt, I'll pursue the truth. I see that. You know? I see that. Even, even when it hurts you know and when it it costs a lot and it it, it costs your relationships it costs you well dollars for because sure. for you know sure, yeah. it, it affects your income and your ability to uh to do what you were doing i was a pastor for years yeah. and um for tw- almost 12 years and i found myself in similar positions where doctrines that once worked and in fact not only did they work they were the very bedrock of everything that i was doing like yeah. if you took these doctrines away I didn't have a reason to continue on, you know, and these doctrines were being challenged and just ripped right out from underneath me. And again, as we said before, not because I'm trying to justify some immoral lifestyle, not because I'm mad or anything. It's just I'm a seeker like yourself. And 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 I think most people don't ever find out that these doctrines really don't work practically or that even theologically they don't hold up, even according to the tradition they're a part of, because they just don't seek it out. And that's not a, an insult or a slam on yeah. anybody, but many just don't, you know, they, they just are content with where they are. And, and many just never seek to the point where they, they find that out. And, and that's what I'm hearing from your story is that from beginning to end, there's just the heart of a spiritual seeker and a pilgrim who wants truth regardless, you know, of what it costs them or where it takes them. And I think that's the very definition of faith. I don't think faith is white knuckling your way through unbelief. I think faith is, is hopping in the river and trusting that it's going to take you wherever it is you need to go. Right. And, uh, I think it's a trust in that, not, not some blind trust in something you've been handed. And so I love that about your story, man. And I can't help, but as I'm, as I'm listening to it, I, one of my favorite illustrations just to use for the spiritual journey from Revelation 10, and you can just take this as a pure metaphor, sure. is, is, is the, the writer, John, supposedly is, is handed a scroll by this angel, and he's told to eat it, and it'll be sweet to his, it'll be sweet in his mouth, but then it will turn bitter in his stomach. And then it says, and you must prophesy again. In other words, when it turns bitter in his stomach, it's going to come out Mm. and then he's going to have to prophesy again so it's almost like this return Mm. he's done this before but now there's this process where he's returning to it yeah and the way the process goes is he has to consume this thing that's going to taste sweet at first and so that's like our initial experience of of religion and 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 the joy with which we experience it but then there's that point where it 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 turns bitter and we and it has to find it has to leave us yeah but it's leaving is actually our returning to something and it's like transformed. So even just hearing how you grew up in the word of faith tradition mm. and, and knowing, you know, now having watched some of your videos and, and you do a lot of commentary on Neville Goddard's work, yeah. 
um, Joseph Murphy's work, which um, is, is kind of new thought. Yeah. Mind metaphysics. Uh, it, it's interesting to me how many or how closely uh, linked the like the theology of the word of faith camp is often with uh, new thought practitioners. Oh, Have yeah. you noticed that? Oh, I've I noticed mean, that sometimes, back in the day, yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> But like you, even a lot of what you're teaching now bears a lot of similarities to yeah. what you grew up with. Only it's completely transformed. Yeah, it's not. It's not the same. It's been. I, I would say the more religious elements of it have been exercised, yeah. and now it's more of a purely, you know, it, it, it's. I think it exists now in a more pure form. So mm-hmm. it was like you consumed it, and then you went through this process where it's transformed in your stomach, you yeah. know, into something else. Yeah. And then it comes out in this new form. And I think, you know, Paul Ricoeur talks about, you know, how we all have to leave the naivete of Eden. Hmm. And, and it happens when we partake of, 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 of a brand of knowledge that you just can't unknow. Hmm. And then you have to leave. And then you can't ever go back because that the way is guarded now by the angel with the flaming sword, you know, so you're not going back in the way you came in. And so you can either sit back and you can think about the good old days, or you can judge those who are still inside. Or he says, you can just walk through the world. Mm. And then you come to know a God who exists, not only in the confines of Eden, but everywhere and in all things. Mm. And eventually if you walk far enough, you'll come back to Eden. Only you enter now through the back door and you enter back in and everything is transformed because you're seeing it from an angle you never saw it from before. And so it's like, you almost return in a way, yeah. but it's everything's transformed, and you you return minus the naivete right, right. That, that kept you in for so long. Right. And uh, as I'm listening to your story, I I, I hear that and I feel that, mm. and um, man, I I love it, and I love your heart, Thank and you. I appreciate your honesty and just the the heart of a seeker that you have. I was lying um, the whole time. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, oh no. man, All right. no, well, no. scratch the last 10 minutes. Man. I thought that was good stuff. No. no, I appreciate that, bro. I appreciate that. I can say the same <laughs> to you because I know you're you're a seeker mm. too. I know you I know you've lost a lot. I know you've had your challenges and I, I was right there with mm. you, bro. Even though he may not see me posting, I had my own challenges. We had our financial yeah. challenges. I mean, we literally left the quote-unquote ministry, which was our livelihood. Yeah. You know, we did it full time. And you could understand that stuff. Well, you could imagine what yeah. I've been through. We probably had similar stories mm-hmm. we could share. So, yeah. But now we're here, and it's amazing. You, you know, people. Always, if for a while I look back at it, and I would kind of judge myself, and I would kind of judge where I was, even and even be angry at that younger version of myself. Mm-hmm. And you know, everybody always says you can't change the past. You just got to live in the now and create your future. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I think I can change the past. Mm-hmm. And it was like the more that I embraced where I was and realized I couldn't have gotten here without having gone through what I've gone through. I now even look back at the, it's almost like understanding that and just accepting like the beauty of where you are wouldn't have happened without that, that it literally does transform the past. It doesn't transform anyone else's understanding of it, but it transforms my understanding of it. Mm. And that's really all it takes for it to be transformed. And so I, oddly enough, I can even look back at those times now and, I hold them tightly and I cherish them. Even the hard times where we were broke and I was not even making like it a year. It it was, we were broke. Mm. Let's just put it that way. And, um, but even that now I can look back on and just be like, dude, it was like the, the deletion and the clearing away of everything that I relied on. It like put a pressure on the truth of who I really was and brought forth something from within me that I don't think would have ever come forth otherwise. Sure. And, uh, 
So I know the, these times, they're difficult, but man, it brings something out of us. Yeah, and it yeah. brings something pure and genuine out of us that the world would have never experienced or encountered otherwise and that we would have never experienced sure. or encountered otherwise. And yeah. that's why I love the genuineness and the purity of what you're doing now you. and with honesty. And I love it, man. I love it. And yeah. if you don't mind, yeah. um, could you maybe take a few minutes and just, I, I know we're probably coming near the end of our time here. I don't yeah. want to take keep you too long josh but like if you could share a little bit of maybe some of the stuff that you are teaching on now some of the most recent stuff you're putting out i know you've you've recently done some stuff on neville goddard on yeah. uh, joseph murphy the power of your subconscious mind yeah. um and some other things if you could just maybe share for a few minutes along the lines of of, of where you're at now and what you're teaching and what you're trying to kind of help people um grasp and enter into yeah yeah sure yeah so uh one of the things that have really stuck with me even when i started to kind of leave my Christian fundamentalism, it's the the metaphysics of, of the charismatic stuff, you know, that I noticed it was a universal mm-hmm. thing. And so, like you said, yeah. the word of faith, it was very similar. That's why when I started studying new thought again, um, those concepts weren't new to me, you know, just talking about like the power of yeah. our words, our thoughts and faith, naming it and claiming it, you know, just things like that. It's near identical. Yeah. Maybe. You know, it's just, it's just semantics. Right. And so that's one of the things mm-hmm. when, um, I just didn't let that go. So yeah, I wasn't identifying myself as as a Christian anymore, but I still did healing and I was still having certain experiences. Mm. I was still having what we would call like psychic experiences. And so when I started to delve into that world, um, I ate it up and I wanted to teach it. And so that that's kind of been my focus now is just exploring what, what we would call, for lack of a better word, just spirituality, just a lot of the topics that people talk, that people discuss. Yeah. And uh, one of the main things that I, that I would teach people aside from um, like out of body stuff is more like on manifestation. And so I, I do, I did a series on mm-hmm. the law of attraction. I talk a lot about, like, as you mentioned, the works of Neville Goddard and the law of assumption and, uh, just just a lot of these concepts that have really helped me. So they're not really just theory. Yeah. That's why I would share a lot of stories, either stories of the author's story of mine. And that's mm-hmm. that, honestly, bro, this is one of the things what I love about teaching these things now, because when I was teaching on the religious stuff for many years and, you know, putting podcasts out, YouTube, there was a lot of bickering on there, you know, like a lot. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, like, yep. It got to a point where I'm like, ah, it's kind of a turnoff now. <laughs> like, it's not encouraging yeah, yeah. anymore. We're just seeing people bicker and argue, you know? So, so mm-hmm. like, I, I kind of just wanted to move away from that. And the stuff that I've been teaching now has been a lot more uplifting, to be honest, where when I would mm-hmm. teach it, then, you know, the, the comments would be more like, hey, Josh, you know, I had this result where money came or I was healed. And, you know, that, that stuff is just more uplifting to me at this time in my life to hear. So, yeah, yeah there was a there was a phase where... I don't deny that that was part of my journey where I did have to talk about my my deconstructing phase and talking about letting go of my fear-based religion. But now I'm at a place where I'm okay. And just like you, I have no regrets growing up as a Christian. Um, that's my heritage. That's my journey. My pain yeah. led me to where I'm at because if it wasn't for my pain, I probably wouldn't be questioning so many things. You know what I'm saying? And then getting into yeah. apologetics <laughs> and being so into the intellectual world and then getting into the charismatic world, I brought my intellectual stuff to the charismatic stuff, you know, where I was very still critical mm-hmm. even of the charismatic movement. So I, I, I noticed that none of, none of the phases of my life were in vain, that it was always just a part right. of me, you know, and this is where I'm at now. And what I love doing is just helping people 
in life on their journey to just be able to, uh, you know, just create the life of their dreams because, you know, I'm not getting any younger. And I know I still look yeah. young. You know, I just turned 18. <clears throat> no, no, joking. No, but, uh, you know, believe it or not, I'm almost turning 40 and people don't even know that. A lot of people think I'm this little kid, but, you know, I'm just like, uh, hmm. I, I told my wife, you know, years back, I was like, you know, Remy, um, I, I just want to live the rest of my life. Just, I want to be true to myself. So, you know, I'm going to yeah. keep putting out the content that I really believe in my heart at this, at the time. And I just want to know that when it's time for me to go home, whenever that may be, at least that when we have kids or whenever, you know, you can say and our kids can say that your, you know, your husband and, and their dad really lived from his heart, really lived from his truth. Yeah. And dad wasn't a people pleaser. My husband wasn't a people pleaser um, because I've let a lot of people down, a lot of people down. Mm -hmm. I've let my family down, you know, whom I love very much and they still love me thankfully but of course i've disappointed them in some yeah. ways because you know here was their their golden child <laughs> you know who was like going yeah, to bible yeah. school following his dreams studying under his the apologists that were his you know like mentors to him and then going up to the philippines becoming a, a missionary and then boom can totally yeah. 180 and mm -hmm. even i'm surprised with where i'm at like if i were to you know if this if, if my version of myself years ago like five years ago ten years ago i would not imagine myself to where i'm at now Right. But in a yeah. sense, though, which mm -hmm. is kind of ironic, in a sense, though, I'm not surprised because I always see myself shifting. <laughs> I always see myself yeah. changing. Yeah. And that's where people have an issue with me because YouTube is a way for me to it's kind of autobiographical. You, you could see my life unfold on YouTube. So it's not just like one phase of my life. They're like, Josh, why do you keep changing your mind? I keep changing my mind because I haven't figured this stuff out. <laughs> you know, it's like it's yeah, all unfolding yeah. as life goes on. If mm -hmm. I if I only put up, you know, whatever is the ultimate truth, I'd always have to delete everything, you know, like just whatever phase of my right. life. It's, it's just part of the process. It's a part of the journey. And that's why I leave a lot of my old videos up there because then people could see where I've come from. And in fact, I've received yeah. a lot of uh, messages and even comments even recently where people would find my old video that I made years ago about where... Um, you know, where I was, I, I came out public that I'm no longer a Christian. And they had no idea that that was my background because they were only familiar with my stuff now. And after they would watch that stuff, you know, my old stuff, they're like, wow, Josh, I, I respect you that, 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 you know, you're still doing this after all that time, you know, that you, you, you grew up yeah. in this fundamentalist and you were a missionary and this and that. And, and I think that's one of the, the, the beauty of it all that, you know, every phase is it's part of the journey to shape to who I am now. And, you know, life is very different. You know, I don't have the, the you know, the, that scene that I was, that I'm sure you're familiar with too, where we're always around people. Mm -hmm. We're always preaching. People always listening to our every word, you know, as a, as a pastor, as a minister, yeah. you know, speaking on behalf of God and uh, teaching from a, uh, from a book. And, and, and many times it was very lonely, very lonely. Mm -hmm. And that was my experience even when I was in America, you know, because we went to the States, which is when I met you. And we lived in the States for three years. And. I lost a lot of my friends, which I'm sure you can understand as well. And um, that, that was mm -hmm. quite an experience. And I did, like I said, I, I really looked within myself. And, you know, despite losing a lot of people, I, I would ask myself before, is it worth it? And for me, yeah, you know, it, it was definitely worth it. I, I, I didn't know what to do. Honestly, I didn't know what to do for work because all I knew was theology and philosophy. That's what I studied in school. And, and you know, I never, I, I don't know any other job. So I was, I was very confused mm -hmm. for a period. I didn't know what to do. I felt like I wasn't going to be a good provider. 
you know, just moving to America and I didn't know how to pay rent at times. And, and, and thankfully things eventually worked out because, uh, I do believe that, 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 you know, God is real, love is real universe, whatever you want to call it. And, and I was, it's, it's weird, but I can never let that go. I've always known that, that I was being taken care of. That was, that was something always on my mind, even the lonely times when I didn't have my friends around me or the ministry around me or the church, I was just really just me and my wife. And I'm saying just staying home. And um, I just knew that there was a reason and there was a purpose. Yeah. And, and, and I could see that now after years later, being back here in the Philippines, it's already been like several years now. And so um, just even prepping up for this, you know, listening to some of my old, my old stories just to kind of prepare for this interview because I forgot a lot of this stuff, bro. I was telling you, like, I got to freshen up a little bit because I don't talk about this stuff these days. (laughs) But I was listening to some of my old stuff. I'm like, man, it's been quite a journey. (laughs) It's been quite a journey. I've come a long way and I'm I'm happy and I've never felt, honestly, uh, no BS here. I I never felt more free. Is it different? Mm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's very different, but I've never felt more free and I've never felt more compassionate, you know, and more gracious to people, mm. um, in my whole life. And so I'm very, I'm very grateful with where I'm at and I'm still learning and I'm so excited about life still, honestly. Yeah. I, that's beautiful, man. And I think that really where you're at, I think also summarizes what it is that it seems to me you're doing now is that you're trying to help people create the lives that they actually want to live. Yeah. You're trying to help people create an existence that they, that they actually enjoy. I think it's a Robert Heinlein quote. Um, One man's magic is another man's engineering. Mm. And uh, it seems to me that that's what you're trying to teach people how to do is engineer their own existence and the life that they really want to be. Yeah. They, they really want to have and religion. And I'm not, I'm not being, I'm not throwing rocks at religion here, but religion, you know, tells us what our purpose is and what, what we're supposed to be doing. And then, and then when we lose that, we never had to think about our purpose. We never had to think about what kind of life we're going to live. We've been told what kind of life we're going to live from day one. Some of us even had it prophesied to us for years, exactly what it was we were going to do. And we may have like inside been like, I don't want to do anything close to that but then you feel like you're going against god not doing it whatever so you always have it fed to you your whole life what it is you're going to do and then when that system fails you because you when i don't want to say when it fails you but when it fails and Mm. when you realize "Eh, that stuff's not all you know it was chalked up to be then you're left not knowing what to do left without purpose and you've got to discover it you got to engineer it you've got to create it and that's you know even Nietzsche's idea was like we pass between these three phases of the camel who bears burdens that others pile on it then you become the lion who roars a holy no in the face of the dragon called thou shalt and he's like and then the Mm. highest um, the highest stage is that of the child where you recapture the seriousness of a child at play and you learn to create again and it's like that really is the spiritual journey we begin bearing burdens of others and we think they're ours then we realize they're not and then we roar no at that thing yeah. and eventually if we let the process play out correctly we return to this childlike state which i think is the metaphor of being born again yeah, yeah. Know, where we can actually we can actually begin to create because yeah. all of our lives things have just been created for us yeah. and we've been being created into something and now which i love even using the idea of the fruit of the spirit of self-control mm as a metaphor for this, that God, the spirit wants you to control yourself. Yeah. 
you know, and all of our lives, we've been controlled by other things and forces. And now we're at a point where we, once that's gone, we can actually begin to create the life that we want to create. And I got to tell you, um, I think things like new thought, even the secret and all that stuff, it gets a bad rap. Um, it gets a bad rap even in amongst the, you know, the practitioners of like metaphysical stuff, because some will say it's just ultra simplistic or whatever. And, and Christians just think it's satanic. And it's like, (laughs) some of it's just pure science. You know, it's just, you have a subconscious mind that controls your destiny, basically. I mean, Jung said, uh, you know, until you make the unconscious conscious, it'll control your life and you'll call it fate. Mm. But like, there's a part of you, a bigger part of you that's uh, of your mind that whatever you have had fed into that is going to control what you think yeah. and what you do. And I got to be honest with you, man, I I grew up with such a sucky self image mm. because I was ensconced in, in, in original sin and total depravity. Yeah. Like that was just everything that was taught, even if I never had that explicitly shoved down my throat it was implicit in everything that was taught that your scum you're a sinner just your existence um sets you up for (laughs) eternal hell and like you have that impressed Uh, on your in poured into your subconscious all of your life you're gonna have a terrible (laughs) self-image and i always had a terrible self-image i couldn't like i could get up behind the pulpit and preach because i knew it was like a gift and i could just kind of slip into that character almost you know um and I could do it without even thinking twice, but like carrying on a conversation with a person one-on-one, mm. I didn't, because my self-image was crap. Mm. And honestly, it was the work of Emil Kue, who, mm. you know, yeah. the ultra simplistic mantra of when you're in the hypnagogic or uh, state, which is right before you fall asleep right. and you're really open to suggestion for those who might not know, yeah. His, his thing was just say to yourself, day by day in every way, I'm getting better and better. Yeah. That sounds super simple. Yeah. That might even sound offensively simple to some. But I'm going to tell you something. I was, I was, I was feeling like absolute garbage. Mm. And I wasn't drifting off to sleep. I was actually I was laying in, in a pool, like on my back, looking up at the sky. And I'd heard that before. Mm. And it sounded so simple mm. and so ridiculous even. But I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm going to try it. Mm. So I just said it to myself as I was in the pool and the words, every time I said them, they started to grow and expand. Mm. And I'm like, what if that really does sink into my subconscious mind? And I begin <laughs> to believe that instead of yeah. day by day in every way, I'm getting worse and worse and more <laughs> sinful. What if I actually start to believe that yeah. I'm going from quote glory to glory and that yeah. every day I'm, I'm expanding and com- becoming better in every area of my life. Yeah. And so for a season, I practiced it and I did it. It transformed my life. Awesome, awesome. Like, Appreciate which sounds that. ridiculous to people. Yeah. And of course, you know, I'm I'm a Christian. I come from a Christian perspective, and so I put Christian flourishes on it. Mm. You know, but dude, the practice transformed my life, and it really did put me in a position to where I was like, you know what? I am a self-controlled by the Spirit individual. You know, and I can control where I'm going in life, and I can decide what I'm going to do and you know, people, I don't think people really understand the power of, of, of so much of that stuff. And even you, I think people can absolutely divorce it even from the spiritual aspects of some of the teacher, some of the things that some of the teachers throw in mm. and get the same benefit. Yeah. Because I really do think yeah. if you transform your mind in the way you think, you can't help but become a different person. Sure. And I mean, not just not just learning and reading stuff, but literally transforming your subconscious yeah. mind, like those deep, deep beliefs you have about yourself. Yeah. 
you know, one man's magic is another man's yeah. like intentional engineering. Yeah. And it's true. And um, man, so I, I love and appreciate what yeah. you're doing, Josh. Sure. And I, I appreciate what it has the power to help people step into. And, you know, like, again, like I said, I come at things from a, a Christian perspective. I can totally jive with the, uh, with the, with the Nicene Creed. Mm. I'm good with all of it, but you know, at the same time, I'm open to the largeness of reality yeah. and do not for one second think the world is as simple as uh, I thought it was. I actually found it interesting that you said you saw ghosts growing up and things like <laughs> that and sometimes still do. And that was one thing that when you were like being tempted with materialism, mm. you're like, no, <laughs> I've seen things and I've experienced things. When I was like, when I was being baptized into atheism as a pastor, when I was losing my faith and losing everything, mm. and I didn't even know if I could believe in, you know, that God even was, it was literally the reality that I grew up in a haunted house. That was, <laughs> I mean, it, that saved my faith <laughs> in the metaphysical and the spiritual, because I was like, you know what? I'm not sure that I ever saw a miracle in church growing up. And I'm not sure that I didn't fake speaking in tongues when I was 15, but I know for an absolute fact that I basically grew up in the house from the conjuring. And so, uh, you, you Thank know, God for haunted that, houses. No, sure. Yeah, seriously. No, and it's really, really odd, but that really did kind of save my faith in spirituality, which is so bizarre, but it did because there were things that happened that there was just, there's just no explanation yeah. for <laughs> and, and I've dug for them awesome. and it's almost awesome. anybody who knows me like really close knows that the paranormal is kind of a secret obsession of mine <laughs> only because I grew up with stuff like that. And I was always trying to pull it apart and prove it wrong. <laughs> and um, eventually I just came to a point where I was like, ah, I don't know. And I even contacted the, those who live in the house. Now mm. I contacted them <laughs> just to see, uh, Hey, out of curiosity, um, you guys had any weird experiences? I don't know how you really bring that up. And uh, the guy was like, oh, my gosh, you have no idea. Oh, and nice. he just rattled off this list of stories. Same stuff that we had happen. It was really bizarre. That's but funny. anyways, it was just stuff like that even that was like, mm, there you go. kept me open. Experience, right? So it's like, it's experience. Exactly. You can't, you can't theologize your way out of things. Yeah. You can't deconstruct your way out of certain things. There's certain things that just are impressed on your yeah. soul that you know yeah. are real. And it's going to always draw you back. So I just found that interesting. And, uh, it was it was a cool uh, similarity there yeah yeah um, i mean experience now is a huge, is a huge i think role. i'm possessed but <laughs> no i mean that's the thing right experience is a huge role for everybody even though people you know the yeah. accusation that i would get from a lot of people is that josh you're basing too much on your experience i'm like no they are too <laughs> or their lack of it because we're all reading the bible with our certain experiences whether you experience something or you didn't experience it and so you start to read it with a particular lens and so that's that's the thing i just yeah. can't deny those are the things that i experienced and so that I like what you're talking about earlier is about how you know where we the, the purpose was given to us, and I think that's what was a struggle for a lot of people who start questioning their their faith, and then they don't know what to do anymore because like now where do we go? They yeah. just feel like they're just a a blank canvas or whatever, and. And the thing is, you know, every, everyone's always wanting to know the meta narrative, right? What's the big picture? And so the thing mm -hmm. that Christians did have was that they had like the, the, the four big things of life, whether it's the origin, you know, they had an explanation for where we came from, uh, meaning, right, our purpose in life, morality, and on how we should live, and then our destiny, where we're going to go when we die. And so, but one of the things that yeah. when I was, you know, studying apologetics, I was like, all right, cool. So there's this coherence that we have because we have answers to all those things. But then when I started to look back and scrutinize some of the arguments that we had, I said, you know, 
you could have coherence, but you could still be wrong. <laughs> it might not match up still with reality. Yeah. You just have something that just holds together. And so that's one of the things that right. I started to notice is that, yeah, okay, if you let go of these beliefs about your origin of whether it's like creation or intelligent design or whatever, or uh, um, heaven and hell, there, there are still other options. There's still other ways to look at the world. And I'm very okay with the other alternatives yeah. of, of what what is what's out there for us to to try to understand and, and the fact that we don't understand a lot of things because one of the things when I was having my out-of-body experiences is that I, I started to think about like man I remember when I was so confident as a preacher teaching and defending hell and the afterlife and heaven and hell and who goes where and I was like you know if, if I were to go to a church now and I see this person whether young or old who got a degree you know, they got their doctorate in theology or whatever, and they're preaching about the, the the doctrine of hell and the afterlife of who goes where. And if I were to hear that now, I'd be sitting back in the pew and be like, why should I believe him? <laughs> Just because he studied Gehenna yeah. and yeah. Shoal and all these, you know, technical terms and Greek and Hebrew. So I should believe him because he yeah. studied it in seminary. Really? And so so I'm not trying right. to be a jerk, right? But it's like, I'm trying to say, okay, I don't want theory here. I don't want just people speculating. I want to have some sort of experiential, experiential knowledge. And so that's where I feel like I've, I've kind of had that childlike wonder again. In fact, the video that I'm putting out today is about wonder, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's something that I, I'm starting to have more and more on this journey that I don't have this stuff all figured out. I've had many out-of-body experiences that I can't even keep track of, bro. I just don't record them. I mean, I don't uh, make them public. But the thing is, I don't even think I've even scratched the surface of what the afterlife mm-hmm. would look like, you know, and there I was as a Christian yeah. who had certainty, you know what I'm saying? Just because I could quote the Bible and say, this is how heaven's like, <laughs> because revelation says this and that, yeah. and the gates and pearly gates, you know, and I'm like, man, how, how naive I was at the time. And so at this yeah. time in my life, I'm just like very open. And very secure in the sense of not having it all figured it out, you know, but still having that sense yeah. of wonder. And I feel like that's what makes life even more exciting, you know, that I don't know everything yeah. now. And so that's what I appreciate about you and some of the other guys that I met, you know, at those conferences. Is like, I think that's why we kind of all connected is just we're, we, we've had similarities in our journey of like oh, we started noticing that this, this stuff that we've been fed is just not holding up. You know, there's there's something off about it and yeah. that there's something more and it's not making sense in our minds or in our hearts. And there's like this disconnect. And so that's why I want to applaud you, bro, of, uh, uh, you know, what, doing what you're doing and you doing your new podcast. Yeah. You know, you got your new podcast coming out and it's up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I respect yeah. people like you who've had the platform and you are willing to be true to yourself you know, at, at no matter what cost. So um, it's, it's, it's dope being your friend, bro. I appreciate, I appreciate that, man. That, man. Uh, I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, man. And, and likewise, man. And I don't know, kind of the lesson I'm just kind of feeling here as, as we kind of wrap up and come to a close and quote from Emerson mm-hmm. uh, from an essay compensation is we cannot part with our friends. We cannot let our angels go. We do not see that they only go out that archangels may come in. And I I try to live by that. Like when I fear letting go of something to remember that this might seem like the biggest of the big right now. This might seem like the one thing you can't ever live or do without, but breath comes in and it has to be released. And if you don't release it, it becomes poison in Mm. your lungs. And the moment you release it, breath Mm. returns. 
you don't have to be afraid that exhaling will lead to an inability to inhale. Mm. <laughs> exhaling forces you almost to mm. inhale. And there are things we hold on to. We white knuckle our you know way through doubt and deconstruction and whatever, and we're afraid to let go. But I can tell you, and I know Josh can tell you that letting go ends up being the best thing you ever did because it's the letting go that creates the space for whatever it is that's next. And whatever it is that's next, I think is always better to rush in. And um, so anybody who's listening to this today and and, and you relate to Josh's story, you relate to my story, some of the other guests we've had on, and maybe you're just on the edge of like, ah, you know, I, I'm having my doubts about this. I'm, I'm maybe you're a pastor listening and you're afraid of taking the step that you know is inevitable, mm-hmm. but you're afraid of what's going to come next. You know, how am I going to be, how am I going to make a living, blah, 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 all this stuff. Uh, I feel it. Yeah. Josh feels it. We've been there. But I can also tell you that, yeah, you know, letting go is scary. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it for you. You are going to probably have a couple sleepless <laughs> nights and whatever, but I'm telling you what I would, I would, I would, I would do it all over again. I might not want to actually go back and do it, but I would do it. I would make the same decision to get to where I'm at yeah. right now, because even though every little thing is not rebuilt yet, you know, every little thing, you know, th- there's always stuff, you know, I, whatever, but where I'm at right now in my own soul and my own heart, absolutely gobsmacked by wonder mm. every day of my life now everything is just enchanted with the be- to me the beauty of christ and the reality of all that however you say it i don't care but everything to me is just charged with beauty now and and, and for a long season that wasn't there i would go through it again to get mm. here because i feel like i'm a child again and i feel like i'm actually living mm. again i don't even the first time around even everything was kind of so uh, tainted by religion and all those um, undercurrents that I feel like I'm doing it right now. I'm, I feel like I'm actually living and experiencing childhood nice. for the first nice. time, or at least now I have eyes to recognize I'm in it. Whereas the first time around I didn't, mm. I don't know. Either way, I'm just telling you, if you're afraid of letting your quote unquote angels go, don't worry. We let go only that quote unquote archangels may come in. We let go of lesser things so better things can come. And so if you're afraid and fearful right now, just, you know what? Take a leap of faith and trust yourself to the current of reality and trust it's going to take you somewhere better because I think that's what faith really is at the end of the day anyways. And I don't know, Josh, do you have any parting words, any any final thoughts you want to offer? No, you, you said it well. Just, uh, just follow your heart and be true to yourself. And uh, yeah. You won't regret it. Yeah. You won't regret it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Josh, thank you so much for coming on thank today, you. man. My I pleasure. love love you, you bro. And I appreciate your story and your honesty and vulnerability. So thank good, you. man. And uh, we'll have to do it again Michelle, sometime. Thank you, brother. So, <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? Before yeah. we go, um, why don't you give your website and uh, your social cool, cool. Uh, info and all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff so people can cool, connect. Cool, yeah. So my website is just my name. So joshuatongle.com. That's T-O-N-G-O-L. And uh, like I said, I wrote two books. One on religion, um, leaving fundamentalism and all that stuff, questioning like the, the big doctrines of the faith. And, um, and then I have my other book on self-help. Uh, I also have a course on the law of attraction, if that's something that would interest you, where I do talk about the power of your mind and talk about the whole reprogramming of your subconscious, as Jeff was talking about earlier. And uh, what else? I have a YouTube channel where I pump out videos every single week consistently so you just need some, your, your dose of encouragement for the week and a podcast called the flip side so that's it so 
my name is just pretty much the handle awesome. for everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, yeah, check out Josh's stuff. Um, please do. He's prolific on YouTube. Um, all the time pumping mm -hmm. out videos. Josh, do you have a Patreon? I do have a Patreon. Yeah. You just have or to search up my name. You? Yeah. Okay. okay. So is it patreon.com forward slash so, Josh? I don't remember. <laughs> Maybe the flip side. I guess you just okay, have to okay. type in my name. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Search Patreon, Josh Tongle, if it looks like <laughs> So I'm going to I'm gonna run out right now oh. and set up a, an alternate uh, <laughs> account using your pictures. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tie thanks, it to you. Bro. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. Appreciate that. Awesome. Josh, thanks For again, sure, man. I uh, appreciate all right, it. Man. Much love. Peace.